0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Mic Drop. This is our regularly scheduled call-in show where you can get the latest and greatest on everything that's happening with the midterms and the most recent developments on what's happening on all things campaign 2020. A quick shout-out to everybody who joined us last night. I want to make sure and I'm going to refer to last night's episode on what was going on with the Herschel Walker campaign because a lot has happened since then, a lot of which kind of we walked through, and I want to give people an update on the the dynamics of that campaign. but first, as we 're gathering kind of the group here, I would ask you to please share it on your social media let 's help build as big a crowd as we can, keep the conversation going. Um, I do have a hard stop tonight, got a big TV program in the Los Angeles market, so i can 't go on as long as I did last night, and perhaps more importantly my voice is is giving out now i've been doing podcasts all day and media interviews all day and i'm forgetting that uh for the first time not being in the middle of of a a major campaign and being on site uh running a campaign that the more media i do the more talking that i do the 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 less my voice uh is is hanging in there with me so Um, Jump into the queue and and maybe that can help if you've got some early questions. It doesn't necessarily have to be related because at this point in the election cycle, gang, we're talking about everything. There's just so much stuff going on. I want to make sure that I'm getting all of your questions answered uh, to the greatest extent that I can. So you're doing me a favor if you guys jump into the queue. But if not, let's walk uh, real quickly through uh, the Herschel Walker Dynamics. Okay, And, again, I, 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 it's really important. If you did not catch last night's episode, uh, thank you all for the kind comments. I know a lot of people were, were pushing stuff out there. That's what differentiates what we're doing here uh, on the show uh, to, to all the other pundits uh, that are talking about the dynamics of certain races, is I'm going to tell you exactly what the options are facing those, those campaigns what decisions need to be made in, in a split seconds time frame, and what the repercussions of those decisions are going to be. And, and for those of you that joined last night, I'm hoping you, you, you appreciate um, that discussion because a lot of the stuff we were talking about, not to pat myself on the back, but is exactly what we're seeing. Okay, Walker is clearly taking that first option of denying it right this didn't happen i didn't do it but he's also in- introducing sort of this weird hybrid that i've never seen before and i'm not saying it's good but we're going to talk about it a little bit okay that hybrid is basically i i have had mental health issues like very serious ones in my life and i'm not denying that i paid for this abortion and i'm not acknowledging that i paid for this abortion i'm saying mentally i'm not capable of knowing the difference between whether i did or whether i did not that strategy that strategy i've never seen okay i've seen a lot of shit in politics in my 30 years of doing this i've done thousands of campaigns i've seen some really really messy stuff i've had some candidates in some really really fucked up situations okay but i've i've never i've never <laughs> never had a candidate where I said, you know what the, the right way out of this is? Tell them that you're not mentally capable of understanding or remembering what happened and what went on. And the the great irony about all this is there's some truth to it, right? Like, Herschel Walker is probably the, the most uniquely unqualified person for public office that I have seen, I want to say in the last 30 years, but Shit, man, since 2016, I've seen some really bad candidates uh, out, coming out of the Republican Party that are just absolutely batshit nuts. And th- he, he's still setting a new standard for, like, what is, what is not okay, what is not acceptable uh, for, for public service, regardless of ideology, right? We all, we all, we all know what I'm talking about. It, it's not about Republican versus Democrat, small government versus big government. I mean, those are the good old days. Those, things, th- those days are gone. I'm talking about when you're running for the United States Senate, when the future of the Republic is on the line, and your your strategy is I, I don't have the mental capacity to either recall or acknowledge whether or not I I paid for this abortion, even though she has a check from my account that I signed with a get-this-get-well-soon card that I mailed it in. Like, I— it, it, it says two things the first we know the the, the first thing we know is this guys shouldn't shouldn't be allowed maybe even in as a as a tourist to the united states senate like like that's the real thing let alone be a member but but more troubling and these are the dynamics i was trying to address last night and i want to talk a little bit more about right now is the consulting team knows that we are in such a hyper-partisan era, it does not matter what their candidate says anymore. As long as you are moving forward. Like, shame is a lost virtue in the public space in, in the United States of America in 2022. Like, shamelessness has become a superpower. Like, when your son, who's in clear and obvious pain, with millions of followers on social media, comes out and lambastes you for putting him and his mother's life in jeopardy six times in six months growing up. Basically acknowledges not only do I have brothers and sisters out there that I did not know, but my dad was obviously also paying for abortions, all with different women, incidentally, at the same time. And he's the Christian conservative in the race in Georgia. And, and, and there's no there's no shame. There's no like, OK, I got caught and I'm sorry and and I'm out for the better of society, the better for the union, the better for the Republican Party, the better for my son, for my family. Right. Like that's that's gone. Those days are gone. That, it's a lost it's a lost part of, of the American fabric, at least until we hopefully reclaim it some some time in the distant future. It ain't coming soon, folks. It's not coming soon. But I, that that's the dynamic I want to talk about. Because remember, I, I i was saying it's going to be one of these three strategies. He's either going to deny it or he's going to deny it and say it wasn't that important. It's not that big of a deal. And, and the third would be um, I, I did it. I'm acknowledging it. And I, I'm sorry. And I will never do it again. It never occurred to me that there was a fourth option, which is I'm not saying I did it or I didn't do it. I'm saying I don't have the mental capacity to 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 know. <laughs> like, I, I, like I, that's a that's a whole different level of shamelessness. And by the way, it came out. This came out on an ad. What I'm referring to is the ad that the Herschel Walker campaign released. So if you don't if you don't know what I'm talking about, go find it on social media. You can just search, you know, Herschel Walker ad on on Twitter in your search bar on Twitter, and you're going to find this ad. It's it's him straight to camera. Referring to the fact, you know, he opens it up basically by saying, you all know that I've had mental health issues. I've written a book about it. Uh, Right. And and, and then pivots to, you know, this is the this is the satanic elements of the Democratic Party and the Washington establishment and the media and the leftist commies who want to take over um, America. Right. That's 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 the real enemy. That's what we're talking about here. That's the real problem now. What I also said was you can expect one of two things. You can either expect a, a significant hemorrhaging in the Republican base, and I said a 6, 7, maybe 8-point swing down, or, and don't be surprised by this, remember I cautioned, you could see a, a Republican rallying around the flag effect where his, his support levels actually go up two or three points right? Okay, this is last night we're talking about this. So what happened? And again, I said, it's going to be 72 hours before we see a poll, but to their credit, one of the local television stations in Atlanta did a quick benchmark survey right in the middle of the explosion. Now, a now, well, quick, quick caveat on that. Polling in the middle of a crisis like this doesn't give you a really good sense of the public reaction to the event, other than here we go again. You've heard, heard from Mike Madrid say this over and over again. Other than movement, is it moving down or is it moving up, right? Don't be concerned with the how much. Be concerned with the direction. That's actually going to be – I'm going to put that on my business card. Remind me of that later, guys, okay? Because <laughs> Tom, Tom Bonnier you know, used this term today, and I love it. The, the polar coaster that we're all on, everybody looking at poles, trying to discern what it all means – is the stuff that gets you guys all freaked out? Understandably, I get it. I'm not not being a judgy here. And then that those are most of the questions that I get always in the last month of a campaign. I get it. I get it. And that's why I try to caution you guys and say if you're gonna follow the polls, maybe look at the averages. Never ever ever read too much into a survey because as political professionals, we don't do we don't look at the polls to look at where the horse race numbers at. We're looking for movement. We're looking for momentum. Okay, that does change a little bit as we get closer, and we're getting pretty close to that that time period, because movement is only going to tell us so much as fewer and fewer voters show uh, cast a ballot. Incidentally, over 250,000 Americans have already voted, have cast their ballots. Okay, so people, vote, voting voting is here, right? We, we have this mythical notion of election day. It's really election month, and it, it's begun. And every day as we get closer, fewer and fewer of the voting universe are going to be casting ballots So all of these effects, all of these dynamics have a real-life impact. When people talk about an October surprise, in the old days, you would drop your biggest bomb seven days before an election, and you would hope that that bomb was bigger than your opponent's. That's not the way it works anymore. And it's why I mentioned last night the fact that this story broke on October 4 was a big, big, big deal. Because depending on the momentum, the movement, the shift of public opinion – is going to dictate when the D, the, the the Democratic Senatorial Committee, or the Warnock campaign, or the D whoever has the bag of tricks, whoever spent the money in the Oppo file, is going to fire the next weapon at this guy. And 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 I, I got to tell you, I can't. A perfectly executed oppo drop is a is a uh, and, I, and i I feel bad saying this because it it does reveal kind of a dark part of my soul here, but a perfectly executed oppo dump is is a a, a it, it it requires a very cool head it requires a very methodical understanding of political shifts in opinion. And it also requires a very keen insight into how damaging or devastating the information that you have is compared to all the other arrows you have in your quiver. Now, this is the stuff where I've got to, you know, call mom and ask forgiveness and say, I I should have been a doctor or something, mom, because, yeah, this is what your son has become really good at. Right. This is you are like master of the of the dark arts here. But this is this is where the Warnock campaign especially has to be smart now. Okay, Herschel Walker is a standing eight count. That that campaign is in absolute crisis mode. Okay, dude took a haymaker to the jaw and he's stunned. He doesn't know where he's at right now. That campaign doesn't know exactly where they're at. They've had plenty of time to know that bad shit was coming, but not like this right not like this and not and what i mean not this they knew about the abortions trust me because this ain't the last one i mentioned to you now do i have empirical proof no but mark my words there's gonna be more stuff coming out with other women or the same woman uh, uh making herself unanonymous and given an oppressor like this story is not done but i'm not even referring to that i'm talking to his son turning on him Because remember, the damage that was done with Republican opinion leaders was not about the abortion, right? They're above that. Their their, their shamelessness has already surpassed those bounds. It's like I tweeted earlier today. If the Republicans cared about character, they never would have elected Donald Trump. He never would have been their standard bearer. This this notion of character and Christian values and being a family man is complete horse shit. It's bullshit. It doesn't matter. And that's what Christian Walker was saying, right in those videos is it's all bullshit. This is not a conservative Christian man in the template you guys are suggesting or believing or what the the shit telling you he's lying, right? That's from the word of his son. That's what was damaging. That's where the damage was was being done. And the only question was gonna be how much? And again, I can't quantify how much damage has been done. But what I can say is the movement is downward because the poll that came out from that television station in Georgia showed a negative three Walker position. Now, I know, gasp, gasp. Let's all clutch our pearls and be shocked. It's only three points. But remember, polling was showing Walker consolidating, and he was up two, three points in some of the most latest survey work. What does that mean? That means. For those of you paying attention at home, when Mike when Mike said last night there could be a six, seven, eight point drop, that's what we're talking about. And my guess is as this rolls, and I explained a rolling track last night, you're probably gonna see another point or two drop. Okay? This is not a knockout punch. And I said that yesterday, and I'm gonna say it again. This is 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 crazy batshit nuts as this is. This is not a knockout punch. I'm going to remind you again that when Roy Moore in Alabama, when the news first broke that he was having inappropriate relationships with teenage girls, this is a man in his 50s, and I'm using, I'm using the, character, the, character, the relationship characterization the way it came out of the Washington Post, he saw a four-point increase amongst Republican voters. Okay, that rally around the flag, that upward momentum tells you what the initial reaction of the base is going to be. That's what you're looking for in these moments, in the first 24, 48 hours when it's really fresh. Okay, that's what a professional's looking for. He's not looking to see if this is a knockout punch either way. There's still 30 days. There's a lot that's going to happen, not only in this race, but a lot that's going to happen nationally and internationally to affect this race. Okay, every day there's going to be a ton. Of, of media and messaging, both paid and from reporting, that is going to affect the dynamics of the race. I'm telling you the way a political professional who's in charge of arguably the most US, important U.S. Senate seat in the country right now is thinking about this race. And you cannot panic on either side. If you start to panic now and freak out now, you're, you're, you know, you're over your skis you, 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 this this race is going to get crazier, okay? So as tough as it would be to be in that position, and take a moment and think about how the, the, the stress you're under as a political professional, you got to get it right, damn right, during some crazy-ass externalities that you could never account for, okay? And these are top-level guys on both the right and the left. I don't know who the campaign managers are are for Warnock and I don't know who the campaign manager is for Walker but I'm going to tell you what they're probably the top 10 on-site guys in either party in the entire country. These guys know what the fuck they're doing. Okay? So the decision, the decision that Walker's campaign made and I don't think it was the right one, but again, I've, I've never seen somebody claim insanity like you see that in court i've never seen that i've never seen an insanity plea in, in the middle of a fucking u.s senate race like i just i've never seen it okay but, but here we are here we are america right i'm insane and i don't remember paying for the abortion i'm the christian candidate and support me because as bad as i am holding the u.s senate is far more important That's that is the question before Georgia voters and who's going to make that determination are my favorite demographic, which I've been talking to you guys about for the past few years. It's college educated white Republican women in the burbs in Gwinnett County in DeKalb County. Right. It's in the collar counties around Atlanta. This is where I was spending millions uh, on the Lincoln Project, moving these voters towards Joe Biden. That's what got us there in Georgia. We won by, what, 13,000 votes, right? That's like 7,500 soccer moms that have voted Republican their entire life that are like, you know what? I can't do it. I'm not voting for Donald Trump again. I'm voting for Joe Biden. That's what did it. I said 7,500. It was 6,500, okay? It's not many. And we spent millions trying to find them, identify them, move them, and turn them out. That's the same demographic that could do this guy in. That same, that same constituency is what was consolidating under the banner of Herschel Walker slowly, by the way, slowly over the past week. And right when he started to peak over Warnock's numbers, boom, the Daily Beast drops his bomb, just nukes him. And like I said, this wasn't oppo. I'm convinced this was not oppo. That means it did not come from the Democrats. It did not come from Warnock. This was good reporting because you never would give oppo like that. You would never hand a nuclear device. And this is a nuke, right? This is real, real potent stuff in a campaign. You don't give this to the Daily Beast. You give this to Atlantic Journal-Constitution. You give it to the Washington Post. You give it to the New York Times because any one of those papers would have loved to have broken that story. Any one of them. And in fact, I guarantee you, all three of those news outlets are now calling every low-level intern on both campaigns, trying to get information on who this woman is. Because every reporter covering the Georgia Beat and the Herschel Walker race, or cover statehouse politics in Georgia, needs to break that story next. Which gets me to my point, right? I know again it's a Mike Madrid windup. It takes a hell of a long time to get to his point. But my windups are pretty good, you gotta admit. Gotta admit, it's pretty good stuff. The point here is this story is not over. I would argue this story is just beginning, and I'm not too sure how long an insanity defense lasts how long does that work how much can you be forgiven and the, uh, the my my guts tells me looking at this downward movement not three points down he was two three points up you're looking at a five six point shift that's the movement that i'm looking for and it's not only five six point shift it's 5.6 shift just within days of it finally consolidating, these were not voters that were convinced Walker was a great candidate anyway. He had just consolidated the GOP base 30 days before the election, and then boom, now a hole has been blown through it. And it may not feel like a hole, right? Because everyone's like, how can this guy be getting more than 8%, 9% of the vote, right? But we, we all know, we, we set that question aside, we all know that that's not where we're at in American politics, right? You move five to six points overnight, that's a big hole in the enemy lines. That's, that's serious stuff, okay? Now, I'm not saying this can't come back. I, I'm not saying he cannot recover. In fact, I told you last night, it, it is a very good chance that he will. In fact, Herschel Walker had a record fundraising night yesterday nationally, Republicans all over the country started throwing money at them, right? And w- I don't want to get too deep into the psychology of that because, my God, that, I mean, you know, I, 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 we're not going to go there, okay? If you've got questions about it, I'm jumping into the queue and I guess we can go there. I'm not going to go there on my own. But what I am going to say is the fact that Georgia voters moved five to six points last night, that we're going to get fresh polling in the next Two or three days from a, from, a, from a full benchmark survey to see what the damage looks like is in contrast to what the national Republicans are seeing, which is the national Republicans are throwing money at him. Georgia Republicans are saying, man, I, I knew something wasn't right about this guy, and damn it, this story reaffirms it. I, I, it took me a few weeks to, come to, to get comfortable with supporting him. I no longer do. Okay. The question now becomes, with the insanity defense that, that Walker has put up, I love saying that. It's just hilarious. Just because it's so absurd. I would, I, I, if somebody was saying, what's the most absurd strategy you could come up with? Like, I couldn't think of that. that that's just how nuts this is. But but th- but that that's what they're trying to do. That's what the campaign's trying to do. So they're going to they're going to they're going to try the insanity defense. I don't know if you can litigate that every day for the next 30 days because there's going to be more women coming out. I bet you they find another child who comes out. Right? And no one's asking the question like didn't this guy have other things to do except for bouncing around sleeping with like half of Atlanta? Like like I mean I mean isn't that part of the, part of the issue and the consideration here? Like, we're not even asking that question, right? Because the four children that were discovered since he announced, four children, the, the, those were, you know, those were all from different mothers. And this woman who's got the receipts on, on, on the abortion procedure was another woman, right? So uh, I, 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 the, the only reason you you have to ask as to whether these people should be held to that standard is because they're putting themselves up on that standard, that was the hypocrisy that used to destroy Republicans in the '90s, when this kind of the Christian moral majority was emerging. Right? Is is th- they were they were hypocrites? It's what cost Newt Gingrich, right, the speakership after the Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky affair, and then Livingston, the congressman uh, in waiting, who was supposed to become the next speaker from from Louisiana. After, after Gingrich resigns, this is going back a ways for, for you OG guys, you'll remember this. He has to resign because he had an affair that was about to come out. Not, not only is that not an issue anymore for Republicans, for the, for the party of Christian values, Herschel Walker, I mean, Donald Trump set a new standard, right? Herschel Walker's setting an even lower standard. Like, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter and it's 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 deeper and 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 more concerning than hypocrisy because it's 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 a willful um acceptance of it. it it it's saying it does not matter as long as you are on our side it's not even trying to advocate for a moral view of america or society or the world that's what's so troubling it's a simple my side versus your side and we are going to dictate who has power in the way things are going to run. The charade of morality has completely collapsed. And I don't want to take too much time spending, spending our days and our, our life energy worrying about those big 30,000-foot pictures because... There's 30 days. I mean, who cares? Set that aside. We can we can we can have longer mic drop episodes after the elections and talk about that and what that means. But for the moment, let's get back to what it means for the campaigns. And and D, I know there's a question. Let me just wrap up real quick with this and we'll get we'll get to the question. Walker's campaign has made a decision that they're going to essentially deny without having the mental acuity of being able to know whether or not it happened. Okay, In some ways, that defense, um, (laughs) uh, uh, part of me wants to say it's kind of ingenious because it it basically absolves you of anything else that comes out. But the problem is Walker doesn't just have a problem with the base anymore. It's not just the Republicans. He's going to start seeing a very sharp exodus of independence away from him. And and that's gonna hurt him. That, it's go- I, 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 like I, I'm convinced that's gonna hurt him. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of shit I've had to throw out over thirty years, over the, you know twenty five years of doing campaigns, and over the last six years I've had to say I just I don't know. I don't know anymore. Like I I may I'm an expert at this because I've been doing it for so long, but th- this shit is so screwy. Like I don't know, and throw up my hands and just say I I don't know what's going on. This might be one of those instances. I I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think that that still, and this downward trajectory leads me to believe that that is still the case, okay? I think Walker's not done yet. I think he's a standing eight count. I think he can recover, but I am also equally convinced that the next round, the next barrage, and it's not one, it's not two, it's probably three or four major episodes are coming for this guy. Those will be the knockouts. Those will be the knockouts. One quick thing, one last quick point, and then I'm going to get to D. That same survey last night that was taken covering uh, uh, Walker's five, six-point slide also showed Kemp losing a couple of points. That is in contrast to what I said last night. What I said was I believe that Kemp could actually benefit from it. And, And he may yet. I mean, I don't know. But the initial read is it's a blow to the Republicans across the board. Not deadly at all, certainly not deadly, but in terms of movement during a critical, critical phase of the campaign, this is not what you you want if you are Herschel Walker, of course, and it's not even what you want if you are Brian Kemp. So with that, D, I'm going to go ahead and bring you up. Give me a quick second. The app is thinking about it. It's choking a little bit we'll start jumping into questions
1: d hey how's it going mike unmute uh good Dude, I how are you today. first of all i uh wanted to say that um i'm a lot more i would say bearish on democrat senate chances than uh than um than i guess most people um as a democrat because uh uh-huh. tell me why well there are a couple things um i'm in like the uh kind of lehigh valley area of pennsylvania i saw i've seen fetterman's numbers around um from a telemundo poll where he was only winning i think latinos uh-huh. by 18 points and shapiro was winning yep. by 36 yeah so that's concerning i yep. you know i'm not that confident about fetterman i'm not that confident about the arizona ticket because hobbs is weak and um um, and then Kelly is not as strong as I thought. And then Georgia, um, I think this is actually a break for, for Walker because, or for Warnock because I have a buddy that, you know, he volunteers and stuff and he said that he hasn't felt that he hasn't felt that the Warnock campaign has gone harder against Walker about that stuff just because in his opinion, he, there there are a lot of like white progressives that run the campaign and they don't want to like... Yeah they don't want to lean into the racial stuff. And I'm like, that makes no sense because if you have two black candidates running against each other, it's not like he war knocks a white man. If you have two black candidates running against each other, then you can kind of do the whole, like, you know, just like yeah. if you have two Latino candidates running against each other, you can kind of maybe get away and feel better about like, if there's, you know, something that you really wouldn't want to touch and be the white, you know, racist person. So I actually think that, um, Warnock's campaign has not hit water as hard just because of that perception. Oh, we don't want to be the campaign that's talking about powerless children and all that. And yeah, I've just I've just seen that from and I've heard that for a bit.
0: Well, let me just say this. I mean, great observations. I want to I want to touch on everything that you said here, especially the uh, the the Telemundo poll in Pennsylvania. I want to get to that because that's really important. But set that aside for a second. Let me let me let me speak to the the Warnock dynamics. And and I am I'm going to say this again. And I think this is why a lot of people uh, on this call probably follow me and listen to kind of what I say because of my work on the Lincoln Project. D- D's bringing up something that is really 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 true. Republicans and Democrats, we fight differently. We fight really differently because of who runs campaigns. And and and. The, the people within the culture of the different parties now um, ultimately rise up through the ranks, okay? But I, I was I was shocked, like, when I was at the Lincoln Project and started working with Democrats and donors and consultants at the highest level of campaigns at how different we are, okay? We, we're different. Like, if I – Republicans, we're, we're very comfortable – Taking the charge and command of the battlefield and setting the frames of the debates. Democrats, I'm not saying that they they aren't, but they they're, they're much more reticent. First of all, they still believe that like if you have the best policy ideas, you're you're going to win, and that's that's something that as Republicans we're just like that's adorable, that is really cute, right? Because we we don't we don't we're not going to allow you to to pigeonhole us into into issues that we're not going to win on so why would we have a policy debate especially now that the republican party doesn't stand for anything that a majority of most people believe in like why would we allow that we're we're not gonna we're gonna set the frame of the debate now i i i i I do have a, a a and i know what you were saying right but i i i will never and have never leaned into the racial aspects of a race the way a lot of Republican consultants have, incidentally, I've not only never done that, I would never do that, and I'm not suggesting that you are saying that. But if anybody was unclear on that, that's—I don't think that that's what you're suggesting. What you're no, saying, no, no, what, yeah, what you're, saying, what you, yeah, what you're saying is you, you can't attack a black candidate because of a, it's, there's a racial sensitivity to that, and there's there's truth to that. I I agree with I know that I just wanted to clarify that so everybody knows what you're saying because I understood what you were saying. And I'm but black I, I do for, want
1: I'm black for, for just for just for reference. So I wouldn't want racial proposals, yeah. but I know sometimes yeah. that white progressives can be sensitive to that.
0: Exactly. Okay, well that's good. That's helpful. So so let's understand that uh, being aggressive on issues and fighting kind of rough and tumble in the way American politics is doesn't doesn't necessarily I mean, look, the, the, we all know racism when we see it, right? It's like pornography. You can't exactly right. explain it, but you know it when you see it. You can throw a, a, you know, a, a, a haymaker at somebody and hit him in the face and have it not be racist, right? We can do that. And that, that's the reticence that I think a lot of white progressives do have. And I will tell you what, there is no reticence amongst Republicans to throw that, that right hook. Not none, None. And, and, and that's why so many races turn out like a street fight. If you're in a street fight and you pull your punches, good chance you're going to get your ass kicked. Because it's a street fight. And if you don't treat it like a street fight, you, you, it's going to end up with you on the short end of that stick. You can't bring your policy handbook to a street fight. And, and, and so we are different. Now, let me talk about Pennsylvania real quick. Because the, the Telemundo poll was fascinating. And I'm glad you, you brought it up. I have never seen, and there's probably no American alive today that has seen and analyzed more Hispanic polls than Mike Madrid, okay? I have never seen a poll like Telemundo's that I saw with the wide variations. First of all, you're exactly right. The, 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 the disparity between Fetterman and Shapiro should not exist in the same demographic, any demographic, You also, Oz is at 35% against Fetterman, okay? Yeah. That is a high high number. That is a high number for a Republican in Pennsylvania. It's probably seven or eight points too high for for a Democrat to win statewide. Now, I think Fetterman pulls this thing out. Trouble, and I was not saying this six weeks ago. Fetterman is in trouble, and I'm going to tell you why there's two reasons why the
1: first
0: is about this enough and democrats are afraid to address it and i understand why the stroke hurt fetterman he's not okay let me say that again uh, you know hate mail me all you want you know do whatever you want john fetterman is still recovering from that stroke if you watch his appearances He's not 100%. He, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not using both hands. And, and you all know I've been involved in that, right? We, I cut that out at the Lincoln Project. I'm not afraid to throw that at somebody. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's something wrong with John Fetterman. He's going to get better. Anybody who's lived through somebody who's had a stroke, over time it will get better. His physicians say it will get better. But this man's under an enormous amount of stress, and his body, his brain, was not getting enough oxygen, Right? Like, that's not, he's not all right. He's better, but you could see the rise of of Oz, the decline in Fetterman in the polling directly commensurate to his public appearances. I'll say it. I'm not afraid to say it. A lot of people are bothered by that. Too fucking bad. The stakes are too high. He's got trouble, and they need to invest in there and put Pennsylvania to bed. I think he will win. I think Shapiro's strong enough to carry him. I think Oz can be pushed out of the of the uh moderate zone enough to let Fetterman win that race, but it's a lot closer than it should be a lot closer and Which... it's the
1: opposite it's the opposite of what people say because I'm on the ground and I see like like even I've driven through rural p a and you see Mastriano signs yeah you see uh Fetterman signs kind of more in Trump country you see a lot of Shapiro signs, but you barely see any doctor oz sign oz yeah. signs so. So, to me, the other thing, too, I think, with Josh Shapiro is, and I don't know how much research, you probably could speak to this more, is I've just gotten barrage with his ads. And even if his, um, even the ads that are in English, because he has some Spanish ads, but even the mm-hmm. ads that are in English, you can tell, like, just based on the, um, I guess, accent or tone of how someone's talking. Like, it's it's cl- very clearly, like, a, someone who's Hispanic speaking in mm-hmm. the ads and talking about like local community issues just based on their accent. And I haven't seen any like Spanish or even really black outreach ads from Fetterman. Like I, I, I've seen just mostly like mm-hmm. trolling about Dr. Oz. And I think that, I wonder if the initial shock of the, the trolling has worn off because Shapiro's Shapiro's favorables are like really good too. Like they're like 20 points above water.
0: I think you've characterized it very accurately. I I did saw Chuck Rocha sent me an ad that went up. I don't know who put it in. Into the Philadelphia uh, media market, I'll try and post the ad. It's an ad with a black woman at a kitchen table. Um, I don't know if you've seen this ad, but they put a million bucks behind it, which is a, which is you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars a a week in the Philadelphia market is 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 pretty is pretty serious stuff. Like that's that's a pretty heavy load. People are gonna see it, and it's a black woman um, pushing back when they show Fetterman being interviewed when he was the mayor. And the problems he had with um, um, the the killing of of uh, the black um, person in, when he was when he was the mayor. I'm trying to remember the particulars, but it's a, it's a, it, it, it's it's what we call a suppression ad. And and Republicans are starting to do this in Nevada. It's it's you raise the negatives so high on the base Democrat with an ethnic constituency a racial constituency that you're not trying to convince voters to vote for Oz. You're just trying to lower turnout. You're trying to. You're just trying to have people go, well, I I ain't gonna vote for the Republican, but I'm not gonna vote for that guy Fetterman either. That had you know that was turning turning the other way when when a black man was killed by white police officers uh, when when he was the mayor. Like that's the aim. That's the goal. That's not a persuasion yeah negatives on the candidate and and Fetterman's positives are not as strong as he needs them to be in rural party with the He's not, he's not, he's not. He's not you guys lose me. Can you guys up if you can hear yeah. me? Ugh.
1: The last thing I wanted to ask, and I'm going to hang up to get the two, is Mike, I, I ever heard can you, guys, you guys talk about um, North Carolina and Arizona. Um, what are your thoughts yeah. on, on that race, particularly Hispanic floaters in that race? And then I'll hang up. <laughs>
0: That's a great question. Let me go ahead and use that as a transition. My guess is Craig is in the queue, and he's going to ask about Arizona, so I'm going to push Arizona off to Craig. He's my guy on the ground in Arizona, but I'm going to talk about North Carolina real quick. North Carolina is coming into focus uh, the way it traditionally does in all of these races. Okay, now what what that means, I was just speaking with a reporter today with the Washington Post who's been sent down to North Carolina because – the race is really, really tight. It's like 50-50 between uh, Democrats and Republicans there. But, and this is, this, is, this is North Carolina. And let me see if my North, Renee's here too. My North Carolinian's on, on the line. Let me say this, okay? There, see, Renee just jumped up into the queue. She's got something to say about North Carolina. Let me say about this, and then I'll jump into both states with my, with my experts on the ground about it. North Carolina has been fooling me uh, for, for years, Okay, it went for Obama once, and it's broken back out of range ever since. And North Carolina has a third college-educated white voters, a third non-college-educated white voters, and a third African-American black voters. There's now a discernible Hispanic constituency, which may be the, hot, the, the, the hidden vote there. And Renee can talk about this a little bit more when, when, when she jumps up on the queue, but... but North Carolina, um, the problem for Democrats is college-educated whites in the new economy areas, like around Charlotte, um, the financial industry that's in Charlotte, right, B of A is there, the high-tech, the biotech, like there's all these really cool jobs in in Durham and in, and in Charlotte and in, uh, in Raleigh, all these cool areas where North Carolina is kind of the hip, cool place to be, all these new economy workers, overwhelmingly white, college educated, highly skilled, high tech, new economy workers normally bring their progressive cultural attitudes with them. There's something in the water with North Carolina where these folks get there and they're like, oh, nah, I don't, I don't think so. I'm, just, I, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of feeling this Southern thing. And I'm going to kind of vote like an old Southerner. And I hate, I hate to put it that way. But it's the one state that confounds me regularly. This was um, in the Lincoln Project documentary. Well, it doesn't get into this much in the documentary, but this was what my first spend was. This was one of the big states that I had hopes for. And about 14, 15 days out of the election, my analytics were coming back. And I was just like, damn it, these guys, they're just not going to do it. I just couldn't budge Republicans in North Carolina. Republican women in North Carolina were just not going to vote for Joe Biden. They just couldn't get there. Uh, we spent a lot. We did a lot of targeting, used the right tactics. I used the right time frame. Everything I did, I felt I was really, really on top of it and doing a good job, just wouldn't move. So I took all that budget. I moved all of my money out of North Carolina, and I went and dumped it in the suburbs around Atlanta, uh, early warnings were probably more accurate than what i was feeling at the time i th- i still think we're going to have a good a good outcome in um the kelly race i'm worried about i'm worried about Hobbs and lake the way you were uh raising red flags on but but we'll see what are you hearing down there
2: so you know, not much has changed. You know, Carrie Lake is still running a very aggressive, batshit crazy campaign based on mm-hmm. all bullshit, and Katie Hobbs is trying to um, state how she is the best policymaker to ever walk the face of the earth. And like mm-hmm. you said earlier in today's call, it's just not working out real well.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it's not. It's not a good. It's not a good strategy. She's bringing a policy, you know, handbook to a, a street fight. Carrie Lake is a street fighter. She is batshit crazy. She is absolutely nuts. But she's got two things working really in her favor. One, she's completely confident in her batshit craziness. Like, she is absolutely convinced in a way that is kind of frightening, but it also emboldens her. The second is she's extraordinarily telegenic. I mean, she's a TV anchor for her entire career. She's a TV personality, and she knows how to work the camera. And there's something about her. There's something about that, that, that charismatic crazy that is working for her. I think if she wins it's going to be very problematic in 2024 because Arizona is going to be close in the next presidential cycle, but she's also going to immediately become a national figure.
2: I couldn't agree more with you there. Um, The question that I had for you though, Mike is, well, there's actually two. Um, Number one, amongst our registered independents here, Carrie Lake's um, favorability rating is way underwater, much, Mm -hmm. much more so than Katie Hobbs. And second of all, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz are here campaign, campaigning for Terry Lake and Blake Masters this this week. And I'm wondering if you think that would actually hurt them, or is that going to help them?
0: I think it hurts some. And I'm, I'm working with uh, – uh, who's your Maricopa County supervisor there, Glavin?
2: Glavin, yes.
0: Good dude, man. It, I, I just tweeted out that people should be following Glavin. Was it Tom Glavin or Ted?
2: I think it's Did. Ted.
0: Yeah, Ted Glavin, um, Republican – County Supervisor Maricopa, this guy's pushing back on the crazy right on ground zero. Like he's defending the Maricopa County County Clerk Recorder's Office uh, as a Republican, burning his own career down for truth. So if you're not following uh, Mr. Glavin, make sure that you do and amplify his voice because he's needed down there. He needs the support. He actually let me know that uh trump and company the crazy circus was coming to town to see if we couldn't do something to help out i just said give them give them a megaphone uh but w- w- and for the reason what you just outlined which is she's not breaking well with independence they're working and running a pure base campaign which unfortunately in arizona worked a lot better than i thought that it would okay Arizona, it, it, to me, is is the new Ohio. It is the critical linchpin state to the 270 map, and it can go either way. And when you do watch the Lincoln Project documentary, which is coming out on Friday, by the way, you're going to see me and my data team working really hard and focused on Arizona because we knew that that was going to be the backstop. We knew early, we invested early, and I knew that if it was contested and it came down to Arizona, we were gonna pull that thing out. We were gonna win that race. I was gonna win it by a really slim margin. I was hoping it would be 1%, maybe 2%. It comes in with just a handful of thousands of votes. I think we're still in that situation for two reasons. One, w- women are pissed because of the Dobbs decision. And there's gonna, that's gonna break off just a couple of percentage points of the Republican base that you need. And you're gonna get a 75-25 split with the Latino voter, with Hispanics in Arizona. That's going to hold. It's one of the places where the rightward shift with Hispanics is not happening. And as long as there's a robust turnout in the Hispanic community, and I think there will be, should be a narrow victory. Um, Kelly should be winning by five. I think he probably wins by two or three. We're going to see between Hobbs and Lake I'm not feeling very optimistic right now. It's kind of the first time I've verbalized it and allowed myself to say that out loud. There's still time to turn it around, but Hobbs is just not the street fighter that we need at this moment in time.
2: No, no, she's not. And, um, man, I had one more question for you, Mike. And, um, God damn, I can't remember <laughs> what That's it right. was.
0: That's all right. That happens to me about five, six times a day right now. It's just happening in that <laughs> election cycle.
2: Hey, well i 'll tell you what if if I do remember it i 'll jump back in the queue and I appreciate your time and' um, always great listening to you man always Craig, great.
0: Craig, thanks for joining, brother. I appreciate it, and appreciate your insights with what 's happening on the ground we 're going to go to our North Carolina correspondent Renee in a quick second, but guys, my phone is about to die, and my so if I drop off suddenly, I apologize that will be the end of the mic drop show, but i 'm going to keep running till the end of this thing. Uh, I do have a TV appearance coming up, too, so let's try to jump to the, the queue as quick as we can. Renee, talk to me about North Carolina.
3: Okay. Um, one of the things that I did this weekend was I, I did a bunch of canvassing in District 13. Mm-hmm. Um, District 13 kind of gives you a feel for the right side of Greensboro and the left side of Raleigh because mm-hmm. it, it basically – well, they carved it up to include a third of Greensboro, but it covers that span from city to city. So it kind of gives you um, – A decent kind of feeling about where the middle lies Um, and the response this year was a lot different than it was two years ago Um, I didn't get uh, you know told to fuck off nearly as much Um, Uh you know I didn't get nearly as many doors slammed in my face I got a lot more positive responses Mm -hmm. Um, and that is a Republican lean area Mm -hmm. Um, I you know, for me, that's a a good um, gauge of where we're at is that particular district, um, and and it just feels different this cycle. Feels um, better. It it definitely does. And you know, um, I know that's not it, it's not definitive, but I, no, I that's mean, help, sometimes... That's helpful.
0: It's as good a data as anything else that's out there. Like I said, at this point in the race, the polls watching the polls is just going to drive you mad, and yes. and and you have to take every bit of evidence now with a grain of salt, because for every poll you see with your candidate up, you're going to see another poll the same day with your candidates down. It's just the nature of what they, of what happens at this point in the election cycle. Here's what I want you to do for us, Renee, for the mic drop crew here. Okay. If, okay. if you could track, North Carolina is the one state that has the earliest voting of any state in the union. Not so this year. Not this year. Is that just presidential?
3: No, we're three days behind Georgia this year.
0: Okay, perfect. That's good. So we'll recruit somebody from Georgia to Georgia. But when you guys start your early ballot, if you could report back to us, to the crew here, on what the break is between Republicans and Democrats, that would be really helpful. Now, remember, remember, there's going to be more Republican vote on the day of because Trump has convinced people that somehow voting by mail is fraudulent or some nonsense. And, and I spent 30 years and hundreds of millions of dollars educating Republicans and training Republicans to vote by mail. And, 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 and the orange, you know... The fat, sloppy bag, game. Yeah, comes in and he, he somehow, you know, with, with his weird magic he has over these people in the cult, he convinces them that, that somehow now this is evil. And it's hurt them. It's hurt Republicans, quantifiably. It's just, it's just bad strategy. All of the Republican consultants, by the way, around him were saying, what are you doing? You're going to kill the candidates down, down ballot. And that's essentially what he's done. But my point is, if you could report back and let us know what the data is looking like on the, on the uh, partisan break and the number of the ballots that are coming in, it may tell us a little bit something about turnout. And it may tell us a little bit something about enthusiasm. Regardless, it's an interesting data point that I think would be unique to kind of share with the crew. That'd be work- okay. Would that work for you?
3: Yeah, I can do that.
0: All right, Renee. Thank you so much. Keep up the All good fight. Can
3: party. I ask you one more quick question? Sure, sure. sure. What, if any, effect on the election um, will the hurricane have?
0: Well, I mean, if you, uh, that's always uh, – these external things like this, we, we never really know. I mean, most of the poll uh, – look, I've been saying it from the beginning – Florida's a Republican state. Yeah. It's, it just is. And, and so, you know, I, 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 I've been saying that from the beginning, whether, whether, you know, Demings loses by two or by seven, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't really believe Florida's a competitive state. I just, I have not for a long time. And if, when I was doing Republican races, you know, I, I just, I, people always undercounted the Republican swing of that state. Um, uh, so I I,
3: go ahead. Sorry, well, I I, 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 focused on the Senate race there. I was like, I'm looking at um, the AG's race more than anything else.
0: I I don't think it matters. Uh, You're not gonna have look. I get questions on the down ticket races all the time, especially in, in Texas, for example, where you've got a Hispanic woman, pro choice, running for AG. Everyone thinks that she's got a much better shot than Beto. Maybe, maybe not. You look at the Republican, Lanhee Chen, who's anti-Trump Republican, pro-choice Republican, the most popular candidate where the Republicans have put up on the ballot in 20 years. Will he overperform Brian Dolly, the Republican governor for a candidate here? Yes, he probably will, which means he'll lose by 17 instead of 20. And in Texas, <laughs> she'll lose by five instead of seven it 's the, the same thing as if you 're losing at the top of the ticket it 's very hard to make up for that on a lower constitutional office. A Senate seat is a little bit different. Mike DeWine in Ohio is up eighteen points right that 's a reasonable rational republican old school guy who 's not a you know hasn 't become a, a, a trump nut right he 's up eighteen. Vance, I think Vance probably wins that even though Ryan is out polling him right now only because the fundamentals are so strong. Do you know how many people, how many Republicans have to vote for DeWine up top and then vote for a Democrat down ticket? Like that's a lot. That's a lot. The chances of that happening in this partisan environment is really, really remote. So I, I don't really look down ticket more than what the partisan break is because that is by far the biggest indicator. Republicans win in Republican states, Democrats win in Democrat states. It's those battlegrounds, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona. You know what they are, where those differences uh, could possibly push one over the other. You could have split tickets in Ohio. You could have a split in Pennsylvania. You could have a split in Nevada. You probably have a split in Arizona. Beyond that, I mean, I just don't see it.
3: Okay.
0: All right? No, I appreciate it. That's a great question. Thank you so much. Yep. Kate, you're up. You're in the queue. Go ahead and unmute and forgive me if I drop off. I'm like in the red zone on my battery here, but let's keep going as as long as we can. I have a very quick question. The study that came out
1: yesterday about the COVID deaths after the Mm -hmm. the vaccine came out, Mm -hmm. killing 20% more GOP than Democrats. Yeah. Do you think that's going to affect the polling and the election at all?
0: This is kind of like one of the, the, it's kind of like the hurricane question. And it's also kind of, it's kind of like the, uh, I I was asked this question, same question a couple episodes back. Look, I I don't think so because turnout really affects things more than natural deaths like that. Does it help the Republicans? No, no, it doesn't. The Republicans have a bigger problem than COVID though. The problem, Republicans are just old voters. They're dying very fast. The, the, The demographic that is dying off the fastest are older white people. Especially older white poor people that 's the republican base they, they don 't live as long, and just demographically, old people in America are white people, and white people old white people are republicans so the yeah. the, nat- the natural churn of of just demographic death is is really a bigger factor than covid um, they 're not helping their case right Trump is literally killing his own supporters. But you know, that, what what can you do about that? But no, I don't think it's going to have a material effect on the outcomes of races. It's a good question, though. Would we be able to see, if it was a material effect, do you think we'd be able to see it after the election? Yeah, sure. I mean, you can speculate, right? You okay. can speculate. But the problem is if there's like a 10,000 vote victory in, let's say, uh, you know, let's pick a state, Arizona, right? A, a Republican state where they're like, oh, masks are tyranny and and, and let's take horse paste instead of a vaccine, Right. But, but here's what's going to happen. The Lincoln Project is going to come out and say, oh, it was college-educated Republican women that shifted. And the Latinos are going to come out and say, oh, no, it was the Latino vote that mattered. And then you know, the, 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 the scientists are going to come out and say, well, see, COVID killed 20,000 people because the Republicans didn't take care of themselves. And they're all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, n- none of this happens in a vacuum. When the races are that close, all of it matters. I would much rather be you know, the Democrats than the Republicans if if it was if it came down to just COVID voters, of course, more more Republicans died of COVID uh, than 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 Democrats. That but but that alone is again, these things don't happen in a vacuum. The turnout, the higher turnout is going to more than make up for a handful of deaths across red states.
1: OK, just one. All right. Thank you. very No, much.
0: I appreciate the question. I love it. That's a, that Go kind ahead. of questions to ask. So thanks for coming up, Kate. Appreciate it. Austin. Unmute. We're going to try you again, brother.
4: Hello, Mike. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you now. Which
4: perfect. Uh, so, with the national Telemundo poll with Hispanics, um, yeah, this is a data point um, I found in it. So, the number of Hispanic voters who rate their interest in the twenty twenty two election as a ten or a nine is sixty seven percent with the mm-hmm. September poll. Interestingly, in September of twenty twenty, it was also sixty seven percent, and in September of twenty eighteen, it was sixty three percent. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, this would tell me that we should see a strong turnout of Hispanic voters. You know, it could be record high. Um, It would seem that data point would contradict news stories that Hispanic voters are not motivated to turn out, such as in Nevada. What's your take on those interest numbers?
0: I, I think you're going to see a record high turnout of Latino voters. But let me, let me say let me, what I just said right now. L- let me say it again just so everybody hears. I think we're going to see a record high turnout of Latino voters. I'm going to say that every election from now to the last election of my life. Why? Math. <laughs> There's just more Latino voters coming online so fast. And non-Hispanic whites are dying at a rate that the raw numbers of Hispanics... Demographically, are the, the, are, are, it's just math. We're going through a demographic you know, uh, transition point. So, so literally from now for the rest of my life, our lives, there will be a record number of Hispanics turning out. The real question is, are they turning out at a rate that exceeds the marginal movement towards the right that we have seen over the last few election cycles, with 2018 being an exception? That's the question. So they're arguing, not very effectively, I I would suggest, that just the raw numbers, the raw vote increase of Hispanics overrides the loss of Hispanics to Republicans. There may be something to that, but what I would say in response is that only works in a vacuum. Like to Kate's last question, yeah, if COVID deaths were the only change that were happening in the electorate and everything else were the same, yeah, it would be impactful. But you know what? Not everything else stays the same. It depends on how many college-educated white Republican women in the suburbs shift to the Democrats because of Dobbs. It also depends on how many African-American males continue their slight rightward shift. Like everything happens with other pieces happening at the same time. The news on Hispanic voters for Democrats is not good, okay? It's not, it's not devastating. It's a slow bleed mathematically to a place that is not sustainable for them unless they find other members of their coalition and there's only so many white Republican women that are gonna vote for them. They're gonna run out of those voters. They're going to run out of Lincoln Project voters that I was talking about on the Bannon line, which those of you who have followed me a couple years ago will remember. There's just not that many left, and every election cycle, the more they vote for Democrats, the more they're realizing I'm not a Republican anymore, and then they shift and leave. That's good for Democrats, but it also means that they're fishing in a barrel with less fish, and they're losing those fish when they're Hispanic. That's the problem. So yeah, I think there's going to be high turnout, but high turnout doesn't matter if you go up four percent in turnout and you lose seven percent of the vote. That's not good. That's bad, and that's what's happening to Democrats, and they haven't figured that out yet.
4: Uh, well, there's um, another thing, uh, Florida twenty-seven. So the Republicans just um, funded two million to defend Maria Elvira mm-hmm. Salazar. And yeah. I think that's a big red flag because that should be a safe Republican seat um, with the Cuban vote. Yeah, there.
0: yeah, yeah. I think uh, there's a lot yeah. of those. Take a, take a look at Texas 13, where Myra Flores, who should be getting creamed, the Republicans should be losing by 30, 40 points, is now a toss-up seat because the Democrats haven't figured it out in the Rio Grande. Let me give you another one. California 13. This should have been put away by the Democrats weeks ago. They just reported today they moved another million dollars into California 13. Why? Hispanic voters are moving to the right. So So both parties. um, I, 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 I think I think what you're probably seeing is a shift back, probably women on Dobbs. I'm not following the race that close. My point is this. You're going to see a lot of movement right and left in a lot of these competitive races because neither party knows what the hell they're doing. That has been my point the whole time. I have been telling Republicans for 25 years of my career, you're getting this wrong, you're getting this wrong, and I was proven right. For the last six years, I've been telling the Democrats, you're getting this wrong, you're getting this wrong, and you know what? I've been proven right. So both parties have their own orthodoxies about approaching minority voters. And those orthodoxies may work in a black and white construct. And we've been doing it that way for 250 years. Latino voters are not black and they're not white. And that's what neither party can figure out. They just can't get past themselves and they're both making mistakes. Both of them are doing good stuff, incidentally, but both of them are not doing they're trying to sell their own messages in a way that work towards minority voters in a construct and it with a group that does not view itself as a minority group. That's the fundamental problem, and the Democrats have not figured that out. And it's it's to their detriment now because they always assumed that Latinos would vote 75-25 the same way African American voters did, and it's been completely completely dispelled. And the denial in the Democratic Party is sinful because of their incompetence, the rest of the country may have to deal with the outcomes of a Republican House and perhaps a Republican Senate in this environment. That's what's going on. Austin, love how, watch, how close you watch the polls. I appreciate it. Andrew, the thunder from down under. What's going on in Australia, brother?
4: Oh you, might I'm going to say the voice is, uh, is bolting up. Um <laughs>
0: I'm sorry question was about voter suppression I'm, I'm, I lost yeah, yeah, you a little yeah. Bit there
4: yeah we cover voter suppression and how that affects uh, races in the swing in the swing states
0: well I mean there's a look there's a hysteria and I, I here's where I get the real hate mail from Democrats there's a, there uh, voter suppression is real don't get me wrong but the way of doing voter suppression that you hear in, the, in, the, in the, most of the media is not the way to suppress votes, guys, <laughs> okay? The, the, the idea that, like, okay, there's only one voting place in the entire southwest of, you know, Georgia, for example. It's like, okay, yeah, but you just heard a caller call earlier today saying they've expanded their early voting access, right? there's there's this misnomer that by making tweaks in the electorate uh, in the way we process ballots that it's somehow voter suppression if your party doesn't believe in that i've never subscribed to that and let me give you a perfect case point california california has the most progressive open forward thinking uh, liberalized way to vote anywhere in america and we have for decades you know what else you know what else we have we have some of the lowest voter turnout rates in the entire country. So you can't tell me that it's a process problem. I simply don't believe that, okay? We should continue to make it as easy as possible, but we should be prudent and efficient and forthright about doing that too. The way, to, the way, to, the way that voter suppression works in mass, if you wanna really suppress votes, it's not by limiting access to a, a physical ballot box location, it's by using negative campaign messaging. That's how you suppress vote. You can quantify thousands and thousands and thousands of votes not showing up because you drive up the negatives and make a candidate so distasteful. That's what yeah, the Russians did, by the way, in 2016. When we look at fair. the spend, they were targeting African-American voters with massive negative messaging to suppress yeah. the vote. This is the Russians doing it, guys. So this is this is a, a well-worn technique that is far, far, far more effective. It's far better than trying to, like, you know, do stuff around ballot boxes and, 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 and limit voting hours. Do those things matter? Yes. They matter on the margins. They impact us emotionally because we see them and we're like, look at that voting line. Like, there, there may be 50, 60, 80, 100 people who aren't being able to vote. And, all the, and, and, and it's true. It's true. But... But that is such an infinitesimal part of the way a professional, and I hate to use this. Again, my mother wouldn't be too proud of me. But mm. a professional <laughs> would try to suppress votes. <clears throat> using, negative, using negative messaging is far, far more effective. It's far, yeah. far more far cost uh, effective. And, and it's legal. You don't, you don't run the risk of going to jail. <laughs> Like there's every so, reason to yeah. do it with, through, through, through normal methods than actually trying to suppress the vote with these can stereotypical you, um, ways that we think of. But go ahead. Sorry.
4: Yeah, right. Um, can, you, can you explain why there are such long lines? Like from, from, from down here, it doesn't make any sense.
0: Why there are some, so what? So
4: long, long lines, long, long. We have to wait so long?
0: doesn't make any sense. Oh, I mean, it depends election by election cycle, right? And here's, what most county clerks do is you take an analysis of what turnout is likely to be. It's kind of like polling. And then you staff and equip that way given the resources that you've got. So you could have, and this is also very common, you could have staffing for a, a physical location where nobody shows up or you've got 15 voters in the whole day. This is very common by the way. This is not right. this is not me making uh you know embellishing. That's very common. And the next campaign cycle, you could have 1000 people show up. All this is all very true. So how do you how do you how do you plan for that? Right? And sometimes the county clerk gets it right and sometimes the cl- county clerk gets it wrong. And I'm not suggesting that there aren't sometimes nefarious activities. I absolutely yeah. believe I absolutely believe there are. But here's I will say this with, with a high degree of confidence. To believe that that is systemic is incorrect. There are examples of that where it does happen and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be stopped. It is also not having a, 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 a marked effect on the outcomes of campaigns, okay? It is not systemic, it is not a part or, or problematic um, system-wide, system either county or statewide. I don't believe that. I do believe, we, I do believe we need to invest more in making sure that we've got more efficient ways of voting. I've, I've spent my career working on those efforts. I believe in that. But I also believe that you ought to be solving for the real problem that exists, and that's not where the problem exists in a meaningful way. Would, um, would, would, would uh, Biden have won Georgia
4: in 2020 with the current rules they have now?
0: He, he did win in 2020. Would he,
4: would, would he have won if it was rerun, rerun with the same rules they've
0: changed? Yeah, 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 100%. Okay, okay. Yeah, No question. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Thanks, Mike. All right, Andrew. Guys, thank you so much. We've run to the end of this. I hope you have found it helpful. Um, if we need to have an emergency meeting again with developments in some of these races, and my voice holds up, we'll go ahead and do that. I got to do a TV hit right now. Great questions. Loved having you. If you guys could share the episode, I'd appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week, if not before, here on Mic Drop.